It is the weekend show here on Money with Friends, where we look back at the highlights of the week that was, get you ready for the week to come. Plus, we take audience questions about, well, anything you guys want to ask us. It is Saturday, December 12th. Let's talk money with our friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And coming to you live from uh, Texarkana, Texas, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show in my mom's half-finished basement. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. Here on Money with Friends, we share the latest headlines and why they matter, specific ideas and advice for your financial life on our weekdays. But on the weekends, we take a look back at what really stood out to us in the week that was, and we get you ready for the week ahead. And of course, your listener questions. Today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money. Keep your financial life on course. Easily track your money over time. Always know what's safe to spend and confidently plan for the future with spreadsheets automated by Tiller Money. You'll get a free 30-day trial when you check it out at uh, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. I talked to Peter Polson. I was telling uh, Farnoosh, I talked to Peter Polson, the CEO of Tiller recently, and um, they're doing some some cool work on uh, open baking that maybe we can talk about a little bit later, which is this whole new oh, cool. concept. W once he, when he first started telling me, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he explained what's actually going on. And it's not just Tiller, it's finance in general is headed this way. And they're kind of on the tip of the sword and it's a way to keep your data safe. So really neat stuff. But what is safe here is we're safe from the weekdays, Bobby. It's the weekend. Happy Saturday, everybody. You have a good week this week? I actually did. I feel like the holidays are coming in in a good way. People are getting a little bit calmer. And there is a, a feeling of optimism because we are getting closer to having this vaccine. They started giving it out in the UK. And hopefully um, people here will start getting it and um, we will see the light at the end of the tunnel. I have a feeling of optimism because 2020 is nearly done. That is, yes. that is totally behind. This week also is finished, but we're not done talking about it. We're going to do the week in review right now. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off this discussion. This is Lacey from the Military Money Show. Friends, check. Money, check, check. Friends with money, let's do this. All right, let's start on Monday. Monday this last week, we played an episode that Bola Sucumbi and I recorded maybe a week and a half ago, Bobby, about Tesla joining the S&P 500. And I think my favorite takeaway, Bola and I talked about this, of course, she has a brand new book about really about investing 101 and for people brand new to investing. But the idea that when you buy an index like the S&P 500, you not only get this instant diversification, but to some degree, it's self-cleaning. Tesla comes in because they're a hot company now. And the other piece that we talked about a little bit is that another company goes bye-bye that isn't doing as well. So instead of having to go in and weed your portfolio from time to time and choose what's winning and what's not, if you buy the S&P 500 or another index, as long as it meets your goals, it can largely take care of itself. Yeah, that's one perspective. Uh, one thing that I always remind people is that the S&P is a weighted fund. So there sometimes um, it can have a big emphasis on the stocks that are bigger stocks within there. So it is not an even distribution fund and people should just be aware of that, that sometimes the bigger stocks have a 
bigger impact on the returns, which has been good recently. Are you but trying can to also say be bad? Are you trying to say that if you buy the S and P five hundred, you might want to go buy more Apple products? Is that what you're trying to say? <sighs> Keep your stock I'm moving. Saying, I am saying, just know what you're buying. Know yeah. that it is a weighted fund, and that you will probably be, you know, weighted in in the bigger stocks in that index, and so it's not as equally diversified as some people perceive it to be. Yeah, as you may think it is. On Tuesday, you and Liz Sagrin from Fast Company took over. Yeah, so Liz and I, I think this was my favorite show in so long because it, we talked about this contest that American Standard is having and they, they make toilets. And so they're giving out, and I, by the way, I entered the contest, so we'll see if I win. They're giving away toilet paper that has phrases that we want to flush down the toilet from 2020. So, you know, for example, you're on mute, obviously COVID-19, nasal swabs, uh, murder hornets, things like that. Um, and then we had the audience chimed in on what they wanted to flush away. Even my husband chimed in. I don't know. What words do you want to flush away, Joe? I, well, it's funny because I was quoting you and Liz the other day with the, because I was on, I, <laughs> you know why? Because I was on mute on a Zoom call. I was trying to talk and I was on mute and somebody said, Joe, you're on mute. And I'm like, you know, Bobby and Liz were talking about this on Tuesday and won't we all be happy when that's over, when we don't say that anymore? Yeah. I mean, birthday caravans, pods. You know, just all the nasty SHIT, as my husband put it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we uh, 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 Cheryl just went to a, um, a, uh, uh, a drive by, um, uh, baby shower. Uh, yeah. You came by, you kind of tossed the gift out the window at them and just kept going. I know. Like, you know, it's, I guess if that works for those people, I mean, we were going to have a big bar mitzvah for my son and we still will one day where for us, we're not going to do a zoom bar mitzvah. But I also think that that is something really special that does work for some people. And, it, and especially, you know, when there's a child involved or a, a new mom, you do want to do something. So I'm happy that we found a way to make this work. I hate for those. People. And I also think that we're going to move past it and it won't be that the concept of it won't be such a great memory, but the fact that it did happen, and this is, this is sort of where we are. Those zoom chats where everybody grabs a glass of wine and you sit and chat on zoom for an hour. I hate them. I can't stand them. Yeah. They were really good for the first two to three weeks. Yeah. So it was like, ha 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 ha. We, you know, I mean, it's kind of like when you go back to the early shows when we're like, oh, you might need to go back to quarantine for three or four days. Ha ha ha. Yeah. We were pretty naive then. Now we're just over it. We want everyone to get out of this healthy. First and foremost, everyone just please try not to get sick and get these vaccines. Um, they're very promising. Uh, you know, that's what people are, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I'm saying, you know, as a society, we want to protect sure. people and um, let's just, move on. We flush those things away. We, we, yeah, uh, Sarah. We, we do this show live uh, and we're hanging out with some of our friends. If you want to hang out with us, go, go check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash money with friends. By the way, YouTube channel has grown a lot in the past two yeah. weeks. So thanks everybody who's uh, come to hang out with us. And uh, Peter hanging out with us says our grandkids <laughs> will give us weird looks. We tell them stories about COVID-19 life. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Remember that year? 
Yeah. And and it's it's going to be weird for how people perceive it because in other times, I mean, this is real danger. Okay. There are so many, so many lost lives happening, but in terms of what our, as if you're not in the medical field, as your wife is, our individual responsibility is to a large degree to like sit home. And that's hard to explain to future generations that that's a hardship. It's a hardship when you're missing work, by the way, and you yeah. can't bring income. But in terms of the reality for a lot of people that are very fortunate, it's um, staying home and watching Netflix. I mean, that's kind of like, Okay. And you didn't, and, and dad, your grandpa, you didn't have to go to school. You got to just like chill in your bed and your sweats and like talk to your friends on the computer and your teacher was on zoom. Like that doesn't sound so bad. That sounds kind of awesome. So it's going to be weird how it's perceived because we're such babies at, at, at a certain level, yeah. like what we're complaining about. Yeah. And, and that minus the financial impact, of course, that's a whole different thing. But in terms of the day to day, we're not being asked to pick up weapons and go to a different country and do, you know, and it just, it, it's a whole different thing. And thank God for that. Um, on, uh, on, so, yeah. uh, on Wednesday, you and Liz uh, pivoted to another story. Yes, we talked about we we started talking about Barnes and Noble, which has new leadership and how they're adjusting. And we shared a little bit because Liz is an author, and so am I, about how the book business works. Really behind the scenes, there's a lot of different relationships between publishers and bookstores that are really being disrupted right now. And the benefit really is to the consumer because there'll be a lot more autonomy in the individual stores, even for a chain like Barnes and Noble. It used to be if you manage the Barnes and Noble in a certain town, you had to follow exactly what headquarters said, even down to the displays of how, which books you sort of would have customers see when they came into the store. Now they're giving more freedom to those local store own, uh, managers to choose um, what they think will sell best in those stores. And I think that's going to be really great for consumers and also good for authors. But then Liz really added a lot of value. And, and I hope people will go back and listen to this episode talking about the retail industry overall and how that is being disrupted and the different things that that could be coming to retailers in part because of the natural evolution of the business that was already happening. And in part because of COVID-19. I love this discussion. Uh, I mean, and, and it's one of my uh, most fascinating case studies lately um, listening to you guys talk about this and then digging in more afterwards, you know, the, and the CEO of Barnes and Noble has done this type of stuff at other companies and Barnes and Noble really needs this. And I think at a time when he, you remember the, 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 this horrible, I'm getting into old guy story and Bobby's way too young to remember this, but, but going to the mall, well, you and I have talked about going to the mall when we were kids. I love the mall. Yeah. You go, you go to the mall, but, but remember how the mall went from stores in different cities and you could only find these regional stores. So if you went to a different part of the country, you saw different things too. You can go to any mall anywhere and all the stores are the same. And so you got this kind of mollification of America. Well, what I really like about this strategy of Barnes and Noble is that with all this autonomy, you go into two different Barnes and Noble, you have a different experience. And I think that's fantastic. In fact, a similar story was Hard Rock Cafe, which has succeeded over time versus the same thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, and uh, uh, a few actors, Bruce Willis and... Um, 
uh, Planet Hollywood. You know, Planet Hollywood went bankrupt, but Planet Hollywood, you went into any Planet Hollywood and they were all exactly the same. They were, they were set up on a footprint. You go into, you go into a hard rock cafe. Sure. The food's the same, but they have stuff on the wall that reflects that city. They have music that they're playing that reflects that general area. And so just this, this, uh, um, uh, Barnes and Noble trying to do kind of the same thing with books. I find pretty, pretty exciting. Pretty cool. Cause, cause man, yeah. don't you love just getting lost in a, in a good bookstore? I do. And I also think they're a nice part of the community. When my son was younger, we would go to the Barnes and Noble near us, which is now closed. And they would have Thomas the train sets. And I could just sit there and kind of hang out with my friends and we could just watch our kids play for hours with these Thomas the train sets. And then they would go wandering and look at the different children's books. And we'd always buy a few books, of course, and support the store, but it was great. It was a great hangout for the community that we really enjoyed. No, just absolutely fantastic. Um, and I love that discussion. And, and I think making things more local, if you run a business or work in a business or are small business, like dealing with your little community instead of this commoditization, I think is a is a fantastic idea for growing whatever it is you're trying to grow. Uh, Farnoosh and I on, uh, on Thursday, um, we talked about the big hot week we had this week. We had Airbnb, we had DoorDash, and we record this on Thursday. And Airbnb is is uh, is up to bat today. DoorDash had an amazing day yesterday, um, but these IPOs, Bobby, are so hot. And so far, Nush and I dug into that, largely coming down on. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, but but you probably don't need to get involved with your money. You probably leave your wallet at home and watch the headlines. Yeah. Although I, my, so my favorite part of the episode actually, so Farnoosh is so fun to listen to. She sort of went off on this tangent in the middle about her experience in party city and impulsively investing. And it was hysterical guys. I mean, she's just the best. And I loved hearing about how she basically did not evaluate the party city stock. She was just like, I feel this is going to be successful because you have to go to party city because that's the only place to get helium balloons and, I was like, okay, but that's not the best way to evaluate a stock, guys, just so you know. And by the way, um, Farnoosh, if you're listening, you can order, certainly if you could not before, Farnoosh is now in the suburbs, um, but you can order party balloons to be delivered to your home, just so you know. (laughs) I love how she- Speaking from experience, I'm like, they'll (laughs) deliver, they will, like I've, I've made phone calls and they deliver them in in New York city. I'm going to bet that they'll deliver them in, in New Jersey where she is now, but I, I loved her enthusiasm and, um, you know, yeah. I love how she owns she, it. Yeah. I love how she yeah. owns it. She's like, this was a mistake, <laughs> you know? And, um, Hey, I love the stock and I just I, decided to throw some money at it. Yeah. I mean, look, she was honest about it. And it was also, she had some really good advice about how you could find out more information about a company. So she also had a lot of specific knowledge to share with our listeners. So you also, if you listen to the episode, you'll also get the lowdown on if you are going to do individual stocks, the things you should look at. Yeah. Yeah. On, uh, on Friday, speaking about passionate Farnoosh brought it on Friday. She had a piece. She was really 
kind of hot about, which was an HR manager in USA Today wrote a piece saying, now is not a good time to ask for a raise. And, uh, and she said, you need to read the room. You need to know who you're talking to, but don't let an HR manager tell you that it's not a good time because the HR manager is not protecting you. The HR manager is protecting the company. Exactly. And it's funny because when I listened to this, I literally texted you in Slack. I don't know if that's actually the proper way, but I slacked you and said, oh my gosh, Farnoosh is really passionate about this topic. Because no, but the truth is, I remember when she was on my other podcast, Financial Grown Up, and she told the story of how you know, she was underpaid and she basically had to really aggressively question HR and say, what exactly is the salary band for the job that I'm in and use that as leverage and understanding what you really could be entitled to get paid. And if you need to actually be promoted because you are at the top of the range for your job and so on, which is true in a lot of big companies. So she's really speaking from experience. And it's something I think that she has experienced experienced and really wanted to pass on that knowledge to people that you need to be your own advocate. And the person in HR, while maybe on a personal level is your friend, when it comes to business, it is business. What a great week that was last week. Tons of fantastic discussions. In just a second, Bobby and I are going to preview next week. But first, want to say a big thanks to everybody who used our link when they went to Tiller Money. In fact, uh, you know what? Instead of talking specifically about Tiller Money, we've we've talked about it on so many shows. I'm going to tell you what I, I kind of previewed earlier, Bobby, which is what Peter told me is happening. So some of the biggest banks, Chase and Citi, are on the are on the on the front end of this thing called open banking. And you know how um uh, sometimes like if you have a game through the Apple, you're, you know, on your phone or if you have, or through Google, instead of having to give the game manufacturer, all of your personal information, you just click this button that says, Hey Google, or Hey Apple, or Hey Facebook, or whoever, give them, give this company, uh, uh, access. The company doesn't give those developers uh, all of your personal information, they just say that this person is 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 here and there's really a one-way street of information. So in the past, when you would use not just Tiller, but you'd use Mint or you'd use any of these budgeting softwares or any of the broker softwares, whatever it is, you would give you would have to give them all of your banking log information, which was just another spot where hackers could potentially get at it. Now all that you, all that Chase and Citigroup do, you go into Tiller, you tell them that you have a city account, bank account, you click a button and City creates a one-way street where it will share your information, but it doesn't share any of the password stuff. And now if you use Tiller and you have a Chase bank account or City bank account, you, you the, the chance you, th that's one less access point for a hacker to get into your stuff. And that's coming to all different things, but Tiller is on the front end of that with a company called Yodely, which uh, Yodely and Plaid are two companies that work with banks to kind of help them do this, these interfaces. So anyway, if you want a company that's on the edge of making sure your data safe and gives you a lot of flexibility, Tiller hq.com forward slash MWF to check it out. You'll get a free 30 day trial and you help the show. So thanks to everybody who's done that. And thanks to Peter Polson and company at Tiller for keeping our data safe. I thought that was really cool, Bobby. 
That is really cool and so important as someone that has been hacked. I really appreciate that. It's it's fantastic. All right, let's let's dive into next week. On on Monday, uh, Bobby and I kicking off the week. We're going to be talking about, you know, a lot of companies uh, trying to make sure that they say a big thank you to people that probably went over and above this year. So while profits are way down, we're seeing, um, and one report that Bobby, you found talks about how companies are trying to fairly compensate people and give them a little year end bonus, which I found really cool. Yeah, I think there is an appreciation of how hard it's been for so many workers, whether they're the essential workers that are out there working grocery stores and whatever restaurants, things like that, um, that are helping us. And even especially all the public transportation, things like that. Um, People definitely appreciate all the work that they've done. So I want to say a personal thank you. And I hope that the companies do come through with thank yous. And especially some companies have done fairly well this year, which we'll talk about as well. This is a super light week, by the way, for economic data coming up. Uh, OPEC has their monthly report on Monday. So seems like we always see things in the news right after this, right? Yeah. Where's OPEC going with, with oil? We'll find that on Monday. On Tuesday, uh, retail expert Amy Goodman. And oh my goodness, Amy's got to be the busiest person on earth right now, Bobby. She is everywhere and doing the most amazing job. She's on Kelly um, and uh, Ryan live a lot and um, all of the morning shows all over the internet. And you definitely want to watch her reels on Instagram, her Instagram reels. They are Amy so good. Goodman. They're so good. I don't know. I've asked her, I'm like, how do you come up with these ideas? And she's like, my kids help me. And oh, her kids are so cute. It's so great. Um, so definitely follow her and us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Money Friends Pod. Sure. Well, well, Amy's going to be on most probably talking retail on Tuesday. Uh, uh, we've got data on imports and exports. The Red Book, which is uh, general merchandise stores, places like Target, Walmart, about 9,000 different retailers. Uh, we're going to see kind of how they're faring right now, a month over month and year over year. And then uh, Wednesday, Amy's back. We also have the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, Imports and Exports Price Index, National Association of Home Builders, Housing Market Index, and a bunch of oil and gas data. When I say a bunch, I mean a lot, to put it very technically. A ton. Uh, a ton. Uh, yes. Uh, th Thursday, Adam Carroll joins me. Uh, for more fun, Adam and I have had uh, just such a great time this season talking. I have no idea what Adam and I are going to talk about. I think what I what I really want to do is to circle back on these IPOs again and have another discussion. Now that we'll have a week under our belt, how did DoorDash and um, and uh, Airbnb uh, fare last week? And then also building permits, housing starts. This is the only day of the week when we have. Lots of companies that you know of, at least that I know of, that are um, that are declaring their quarterly earnings. Rite Aid, which of course has been in and out of lots of trouble. General Mills, which cereal in itself is a whole story, and breakfast is a whole story. And Steelcase, uh, of course, the uh, office furniture manufacturer. And Steelcase, of course, when you think about them, you think about the return to office buildings. And, and what's a company, you know, sometimes looking at a company like Steelcase gives you a good idea about what the future might hold uh, there. So that'll be yeah. interesting to me. And then on Friday, Friday, Adam Carroll's back 
And um, you think you know everything that gets tracked, Bobby, like all the different tracking. And there's a reason, by the way, guys, that I do this and Bobby doesn't do this. Bobby did this stuff for Reuters for a number of years and was like, <laughs> nope, you prep all this stuff. And so, to, yeah, I was like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> as I'm digging into this and I'm seeing what gets tracked and all these tracking numbers on Friday of next week, how about this one? The NASDAQ 100 and S&P 500 net speculative positions, which is, as I dug into this, a, a trader index of how much traders are being speculative about their investments versus a month ago and a year ago. So we can kind of see based on how much traders are betting money on where things are headed, you might be able to infer something. I, I, I don't know that I'll be tracking that on a daily basis, Bobby. But I found that incredibly interesting as I dig into the stuff you did for a number of years. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, just a little behind the scenes. So when I left Reuters, I went to kind of make a little compilation reel of what I had done. And I looked back and a full decade, my friends, a full decade almost everything had me reporting. This was a time period when the Fed did nothing. And yet we reported on it. Like, like the world, like this is the world, everything depended on whether the Fed moved a quarter of a point, which could be true sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I mean, the amount of energy spent of, of my life spent reporting that the Fed did nothing, was expected to do nothing and, and will do nothing. I mean, it just, or in the past did nothing, present did nothing, will do nothing was exhausting. And so I literally had 10 years of myself in different outfits and different hairstyles repeating the same statistics. I mean, every first Friday of the month, it was the jobless report. I mean, there, can you tell, I never like to use the term PTSD because I don't have PTSD and that's yes. a real term and that's something to take taken seriously. But if it were something that I could use, I would use that term. Yes. Um, I just really can't go there right now. I'm still recovering from years of the same. I mean, every Thursday, jobless every Thursday, um, it's a, it's a lot when you just get into that hamster wheel of the I just economic get, data, Joe, I just it's get, new to you. you I get, enjoy it. <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy it and I'm glad that I get to do it. Uh, but the, but I'll tell you every time you talk about different hairstyles, I get envious. I get it. Cause I, cause, cause I can have one actually, if this hair gets out of place, I have two. So there it is. Uh, Bobby, we also, at the end of our shows on Saturday, we take your questions. We got a great question this week. Yeah, this question is from Annette. She wants to know our, the what the thought process should be in deciding financial goals. Joe? You know, for me, um, I, when I was a financial planner, I, I thought two things. Number one was that every goal uh, has a financial component. I mean, if you tell me that you want to spend more time in the great outdoors, I, I would have people go, but that's not a financial goal. That's saving me money. But it is a financial goal because if you want to be outdoors more often and you have a job, you're going to need to find that time, right? So you need to find a way to, to create enough uh, income in a different way that you can spend more time time outside instead of at the nine to five. But what, you know, the place I really took this question from my old work was weighing your goals against each other. So if I take this question and I, and I say, okay, your goals are intensely personal, but what I think is important when deciding which one is most important to chase, what always helped me with that was to timeline them. And what I mean by that is put yourself and anybody you're planning with on one end of a timeline and write out at what date do I want this to happen? At what date do I want this other thing to happen? And what date do I want this 
Third thing to happen. And some things we'd always find out when people did that, Bobby, we would find out that your retirement goal is in the sophomore year of your kid going to college. And you never had thought about that before and realizing that, that you might not be able to do both of those things at once. And then, and then we'd have a great discussion about priorities or we'd timeline the goals. We'd work back to today to see to what, you know, what do we need to do today to get those goals? And we'd find out that there's not enough money for both of them. And then we'd have a great discussion about which one's most important to you. So for me, this idea of timelining your goals and putting them against each other, seeing what they cost, then helps you work through the idea of which one's really, to me, the most important one for me to chase. And I like the fact that you're blending them with the life goals because money is often, it really is a tool to do what you want in life. And that's why people always talk about financial freedom, freedom being a key part of it. For me, um, I really was uh, very taken by a book that came out a decade ago by Susie Welch. And it's called, it talks about the 10, 10, 10 rule. So it's 10, 10, 10, 10 minutes, 10 months, 10 years, a life transforming idea. And basically what Susie Welch talks about is that you should think about the consequences of your decisions in each of these time segments. So if I make this decision, what will it mean in 10 minutes? What will it mean in 10 months? And what will it mean in 10 years? Oh, and that good. way you can really map out. I love this book. I remember reading it years ago. Um, now I may go back and reread it because it really helps you understand how the decisions you make now will impact in the future. So you could apply that just to be very basic to if I set up an auto, um, you know, increase in my 401k where I'm doing 6% this year, I'm going to have it increase every year by 1%. Um, that's a decision I'm making now in the, these 10 minutes. What will that mean in 10 months? What will that mean in 10 years? And you could even do math on something like that. That's a very basic example, but you can apply it to almost anything financial or not. So I would highly recommend that everybody read that book and circle back to us. Let us know what you think and how that applies to you. And, and of course, if you guys have ideas for how um, to set financial goals, let us know. DM us at uh, at Money Friends Pod. It's it, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I have you know I I get this coaching from a group called Strategic Coach and sitting right next to you on my desk I keep my weekly planner and on that planner there is my long term strategic project. What am I going to do this quarter? Where am I going to be at this year? Where am I going to be at ten years on this goal? And so it's funny how, how much this, you know, I think Tony Robbins said, when you hear one quote guru say something, it might be their thing. It might be their little whatever, but when you start seeing it over and over and over from different places, Susie Wells, strategic coach, everybody, it probably is, a is, uh, uh, something that'll help you be more successful. Right. And Tyson in our audience is talking about, you know, starting with the end in mind. And that is something that we hear a lot. So I think that's a fair point to bring up and and just to kind of work backwards. That may work for you. I mean, I, I think that we hear that a lot again, because that's something that works for a lot of people is the idea of see where you want to be at a certain point in your life and then figure out how to get there. And you know what, Tyson, sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Cliche. That's I think it kind of is. I think that it's kind of like, you know, find the goal and work backwards. I mean, his comments sort of a little bit, you know, he's like, I can't imagine where, you know, it's, I think that it works for a lot of people and I like it a lot, but it is something you hear a lot. So yes, well, a, it's a valid point, Tyson, but you hear it. Let's say we won't call it a cliche. We'll say you hear it a lot, but you hear it a lot because it works for a lot of people. Yeah. Tyson's laughing because he hears me say it a lot. 
um, I quote that line nonstop, and now he's making fun of us more. Ha ha ha. I want to end this conversation with Peter's though. We got to go back to, we got to go back to you talking about the Fed. And Peter says, one might say, Bobby, that you're fed up, which is fantastic. Thanks, Peter. How do people help I us am. make this well show, said. Bobby? How do people help us make the show? Okay. First and foremost, we need everyone to get on board with our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, look for Money with Friends, hit subscribe. That is the key thing. Hit subscribe and then hit the alert so you can be part of our audience and you can make fun of us like Tyson is continuing to do in the comments. Also, make sure you are following us on Instagram at Money Friends Pod. That's also our handle on Twitter. By the way, you can also follow us on Twitter and watch the show on Twitter as well when we record it. And of course, rate, review, all those good things. Thanks to everybody hanging out with us. Tyson, by the way, is in Alaska hanging out with us. And it is early morning here. So it's early, early morning in Alaska. Uh, Mike just joined in. We tried to wait for you, Mike, but we are done. We'll see Mike and everybody else next time here at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends, LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at Money Friends Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it, done.